We are in Greenville, South Carolina at the Federal Injury Center's office, our second day, their third day of Patient Appreciation Week. And I yes. think it was actually all week. And appreciate patients every day, but uh, they're throwing a special party each day. And so uh, they invited Jeannie and I out, and we are upstairs in the Wednesday Night Chat Suite. It's, now it is, at least, with a little <laughs> bit of a live audience in front of us, which is always fun. Uh, more for me than for her because she's super shy. And uh, everyone else, like, there's no way she's super shy. <laughs> Say some words. Tell them how super shy you're not. Hi. <laughs> <clears throat> so we've been, uh, yesterday we did a, a talk, many of you may have seen it, and I was talking about the CA-10, and um, me, if I can pull it out. So we have this form CA-10 here, and um, you can find all the forms that I talk about on Wednesday night, not on Wednesday night chats, on federalinjurycenters.com. It's federalinjurycenters with an S on the end, dot com. And there's a uh, forms tab. You can check that out. But we were discussing the CA-10 in terms of the reason so many people don't have accepted claims. And I would say that the number one reason claims are accepted is because claims are not attempted. And claims aren't attempted for a couple of reasons. One, because people don't know what to do. And two, because they're scared of management. And um, we also discussed a little bit of my fourth book, Breaking OWCP. You can get it at breakingowcp.com. Um, but when we're live, I have, I have actual paper copies that I give out for free. So it's an incentive to come and show up and see us wherever we're at. And, um, you know, so not knowing what to do, being scared of management. Well, those are two things we can solve because everybody within EarReach or that's seeing us can print a CA-10 and put it at their workstation at work. And so now everyone can tell a friend what they need to do when they get hurt at work. <clears throat> The number that I've come up with, with through talking to thousands of face is that about 14% of you have accepted claims. So OSHA, they, they track numbers of claims that are accepted. They don't track denied claims. They don't track unattempted claims because there's no possibly no who's hurt and didn't say anything about it. So those counted. The other thing that OSHA doesn't count anymore, who hears a postal employee in this room? OSHA doesn't count you anymore. So in their list of, uh, of injuries by agency, for whatever reason, about three years ago, I think, they took USPS off of the list. Now, every non-postal agency is still listed, but USPS isn't. And they're the ones that get hurt the most because their job is probably the hardest. Um, I think that um, not prison guards, but corrections officers from prisons would argue their job's harder because they fight for a living. They fight people with nothing to lose. So that sucks. Um, I think VA nurses have a tough job. They're lifting people all day long and people sometimes weigh a lot more than maybe a heavy dog, dog food bag. But um, for the most part, I think postal employees have the hardest job lifting 70 pounds throughout the day, carriers walking 10 miles a day, standing all day long, mandatory overtime throughout and keeping their job for 20. Um, it takes a it's wear, wear and tear. It takes a toll on the body. And 14% of people are injured. 86% don't have accepted claims. So 14% have accepted claims, 86%. And we can solve the problem by just knowing what to do. And um, so that's what we're talking about. The CA-10 is super important. It's called what a federal employee should do when injured at work. At the bottom, it says post on agency's website. I ask a room of people all the time. I'll ask the few that are in. Who's ever heard of a CA-10 before today? Okay, so one person had heard of it before today. So for all the rest, and that's our experience everywhere I go, if I'm in a room of 100 people, three people say they've heard of the CA-10. 
unless they watch us here and then everyone's heard of CA10. Well, if you haven't heard of a form, are you going to go to your agency's website to look for it? You don't even know it exists. What? I'm not going to go look for a CA10. I've never even heard of a CA10. And so this form got invisible uh, in October of 2021 when they revised it. Prior to that, it said post on employees bulletin board. And even still for years, I would ask and nobody had ever seen it on a bulletin board. So it went from being hard to find because it wasn't on the board to being totally invisible because now you got to go to a, your agency's website to get it. But now that you know, everyone here can print a form CA-10, what a federal employee should do when injured at work and take it to work and post it on your bulletin board in your break room where it belongs so that people can see it. Um, our friend Jerry from Virginia said that she posted it at the front in the inside of every stall in the women's restroom. So people are seeing those for sure. Um, I think you need to post them everywhere. You can also, again, find them at federalinjurycenters.com. But this thing says report to supervisor. That's the first thing you have to do. And there's your next barrier. I don't want to report to my supervisor because except for maybe a handful of exceptions, supervisors are jerks. And, and they give you a hard time, harass, threaten, and um, say they're going to fire you, which is illegal. But you still have to do it. And then to make it worse, it says report as soon as possible. Now, everybody that knows me knows that as soon as possible means what? Anybody that yell it out? Now. Now, okay. So now is as soon as possible time to do anything. Thank you very much. And, um, but when you wait to as soon as possible, then you run the risk of being in what I call up some dirt on a crowd. And um, I was saying yesterday that uh, I was at a place in California and I looked at this table and it's a table full of pretty, pretty tough looking guys. And I said, you're the rub some, the rub some dirt on a table for sure what it means i'm going to just wait and see if this thing gets better well you wait you wait you wait and then a week passes and eight days go by and you no longer can get a ca16 now in the second uh section of this it says ca16 from your supervisor but what it doesn't tell you is that you have to report your injury within seven days in order to get the ca16 and on day eight they no longer have to give it to you and believe me they won't give it to you hey ed so they won't give it to you. Ed's here. Ed does all the billing for all the franchise locations. And we're in South Carolina where Ed lives. It's good to have it. So you can't have the CA-16 unless you report within seven days. But if you're in the rub some dirt on it camp, you're going to wait eight days and maybe 30. And in like 31 days, you're still going to be complaining that your back hurts. And you don't know why it didn't get better. Well, it didn't get better because you didn't do anything about it. And because you waited more than 30 days, you now um, cannot get continuation of pay. So you rub some dirt on it, you hope it got better, and you lost a CA-16 and you lost COP. CA-16 pays all your bills for the days, medicals. And COP pays your time off for up to 45 days, which is up to six weeks of time. And when you report past 30 days, you can no longer have either one. So you got to report now, today, the day you get hurt. In my experience, which is vast, the people that have the worst time in OWCP reported late. They didn't get their CA-16 or their COP, and it started off having to make financial decisions for health and not being able to take off of work to get better, and also not being able to work because you're hurt. And I say, you know, how are you going to make it to retirement if you can't make it through tomorrow's work shift? And that's the problem if you start off slow uh, by not getting a 16 or COP. And then the other thing this section says is you have the right to choose your own position. It says you have the right to initial selection of position. Everybody has heard at least a story or a rumor about a supervisor. Sorry, my mouth's getting dry. 
just let that set. Supervisor, I'm probably going to say something mean afterwards. That a supervisor told them they had to go to the doctor that the supervisor wanted to go to. You got to go to this urgent care. You got to go to this doctor over here, whatever. And the claim gets denied because the supervisor is sending them to an automatic denial because nobody else knows how to do this. Urgent cares are staffed by nurse practitioners. Nurse practitioners need an MD counter signature, but the MD is not there. So you don't get the signature. Your denial comes and it says that the nurse practitioner qualified position. Well, they're not without an MD counter signature. But the problem with them telling you where you have where what doctor you have to go to is that the law says you have the right to initial selection of physician, just like here. But it also says they have to tell you it's your right to choose a doctor, which is opposite of them telling you you have to go to their doctor. That you can go to your own doctor is the law. You have to go to their doctor is anti-law. It's against the law. And it's actually against the Code of Federal Regulations. Um, if you're a postal employee, it goes against the ELM. Um, it goes against everything that you can find in writing. It also says you can't be forced to go to a doctor that's under contract with or employed by the agency. So if you're a VA employee, that, that's you. Uh, injury comp at the VA is notorious for telling you to go see the VA doctor, who's a world-class doctor with totally, um, totally untrained in OWCP. You have the right to choose your own doctor. So the first two things that cause disaster for people is they don't get a CA-16 and they don't get COP. But the worst thing is they go to the wrong doctor. And a lot of people will say right here, well, you're with federal injury centers. Of course, you want people to go to your offices. And yeah, of course, I do obviously want people to go here. But why do I want that? Because nationwide, 14% of you have accepted claims. And nationwide, nearly 100% of us have accepted claims. So you don't need an abacus to know that a 14 and 100 are a little bit different. All right. That's why I want you to go to federal insurance. That's why we exist. Because we get claims accepted. Um, Wendy, again, how many claims have you gotten accepted already? Um, we have 90. And how many claims can never be accepted? None yet. None. Okay. So in other words, we're pacing for 100% here in South Carolina because we've got 90 approved and the ones that aren't approved yet just aren't approved yet. Okay. That's the experience we have all over the country. Your experience in almost every place in the country is denial. And because it's so, uh, you know, the, the rule everywhere else is you're going to get a denied claim. Um, that's another reason most people just say, forget about it. I'm going to go through all this hassle. My supervisor is going to abuse me. I'm never going to get my claim approved anyway. So what's the point? And I understand that. And that's why I wrote this. Because these 25 things in this book are for those of you in Iowa, Nebraska, that are, you know, eight hours from any federal injury center's office and just can't make that drive. It's for you so that you can get your claim accepted without a federal injury center's doctor. And so I've been asked, well, why would you write the playbook on people to not need you anymore? So I know. How about that? How about that? That tells you kind of what we're about. So if you do the 25 things in this book um, and you don't get a deny or you don't get an approved claim, then there's a thing in here you didn't do right. And you could do it again. And you can kick your doctor in the butt as much as you got to to make him do the job right. Right. <clears throat> so anyways, I'm kind of off. Let me go back to the CA-10. Um, so after you get your CA-16, you choose your own doctor. You report it today so you didn't lose any benefits. The next thing on here says file a CA-1 or 2. Well, in the old days, that sucked because you had to file it with your supervisor. I would literally tell people, you got to sit down at the desk with your supervisor. You fill out the first part. They fill out the second part. And they're like, oh, man, I don't want to sit in the office with the supervisor. And I understand. Well, now you don't have to. 
because now they have this ecom system. It's ecom.dol.gov. You can go online, you can file everything there, and then your supervisor just gets an email. And one of the 25 things in here is be sure you have your correct, uh, the supervisor's correct email. So they can't say, well, I didn't get it. Yep. Because when they do get it, they have 10 days from the point they get that to get that to deal well. And that's a rule. Um, so you feel like you're seeing one or two here. Now, this is where I stop and say, okay, CA2, huh? You can't get a CA2 approved. Well, that's what you hear. But we get CA2 approves all the time. I said approves, approved. approved. CA2 is approved all the time. Um, the thing about those, most people believe that they don't have time, that I ran out of time. It's too late. I can't report my injury anymore. But you have three years from a CA1 injury to report. Well, Chris, you said seven days. You said 30 days. I said, I said now, actually. What I'm telling you is you have three years to report an injury. So if you haven't and it hasn't been three years, you still can. You can't have a CA-16 anymore, and you're not eligible for COP anymore, but you can still get help. Uh, you potentially get reimbursed for things that you spent for your injury care. And so it's worth uh, knowing you have three years. On a CA-2 that developed over time, you have three years from the date you knew it was work-related. You may have been limping around because you carry the mail 10 miles a day for the last 10 years. And for the last two years, your knee's been hurting. And today, a doctor said, yeah, but don't you carry the mail? I think this is work-related. Well, now you still have three years to report it from today. So there's this big window of time you have. And most of the time when people think it's too late, it's not too late. And so those of you that are out there that are listening to this, you got to tell somebody it's not too late. Right. You can help somebody just by telling them that they didn't run out of time. Um, the fourth thing is about COP, but I already went over that. As long as you report now, you can get COP. And then it talks about medical billing. Um, and I always say, you don't need to care if your doctor gets paid. That's not your problem. Um, and contacting OWCP has got this really cute phone number that they won't answer. So good luck with that. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because if people just knew what to do, they'd have a better chance to get their claim approved. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you can post your CA-10s throughout your, your uh, break rooms at whatever station you work, then people have a chance. And if you're somewhere outside of range of federal injury centers, you can still come here and get help. You can get the book at breakingowcp.com and it will, I sure, uh, assure you will help you. And then, um, but hopefully you're able to find one of our offices so that you don't have those problems. And if you already had the problem, it's not too late uh, because if your claim is denied, we can still take it and take a look at it. So um, I don't see if there's any questions not yet. here. Does anybody here have any questions? Anybody? Come on. Yes. How do you get your leave back if you um, had an injury and you didn't know about federal injuries and you paid for it out of your pocket? Can you get your leave back, buy it back? Yeah, it's called leave buyback, form CA-7, maybe a 7A and definitely a 7B. They'll all three go together. You fill them out. Um, if you were out of work because you're at the doctor, you got to get documentation that you're at the doctor. Um, if you're out of work because the doctor um, took you off with the CA-17 duty status report, then you attach the CA-17. Um, there's also a form called a CA-20 your doctor fills out. Attach that. The reason we're attaching documentation. If you just turn in a perfectly uh, filled out CA-7, 7A, and 7B, it'll get denied. And it's perfect, but it'll still get denied because there's no documentation. So if you had surgery, because I, I had knee surgery, my knee went out at home 
but I had the surgery and paper out of my pocket because I didn't know anything about this. You know, the yeah. time this knee had gone out the first time was a full so now you're talking about money you paid out of your pocket. So I'm making sure the audience may not have heard your question. So the first question was how to get lead back. That's lead buyback. The second question is I paid money out of my pocket for surgery before I was using OWCP. What do I do about it? Once your claim is approved, then you get a form called OWCP 915. It happens to be in that folder that they passed out. I saw that. And the OWCP 915 is there to get reimbursement for money you paid out of pocket. You just need to attach receipts. Um, I would get a letter of medical necessity from the surgeon that did the surgery so they knew it was medically indicated and turn those two things in. And that's how you get paid. Now, if you get denied, they'll tell you specifically why it was denied. In fact, there will be a paragraph that says specifically this is denied because. And then you just fix it. So if you want to buy back your leave, is that costing you out of your pocket or is that? Well, it is called leave buyback. Yeah. So it's not free, but I I really don't know how much it will cost you based on your leave, but the CA7B will help you with that. Okay. Yeah. It's not fair, but OWCP is not fair. Yeah. It's just not fair. Who else? Come on. How about anybody that works here? Did I say anything that you didn't hear before? No? Well, then uh, this is the shortest live we've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, we'll get like 100 questions and um, we can go sometimes two hours just answering questions, which is fun. I had asked them earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah, she she snuck in and cheated. (laughs) What was her question? It's nobody's business. Oh, okay. Personal. All right. Well, um, are there any questions on yours? Wendy? No. No? Okay. Mm-mm. Well, okay. all right. Another question. <laughs> okay. Back, um, I've been here, like I said, I've been here since 2003. And every 15 months, you have to fill fill. they fill you um, a package that you have to fill out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they'll um, send you for a second opinion to their doctor. So you have to go there. Oh, yeah. So. Okay. When, when you're told to go to a second opinion visit, you have to go because what happens is they will cut you off from all benefits until you go. They'll say, okay, don't go, but you're not getting paid. So then you have to go. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. I've been researching the second opinion thing uh, quite a bit, actually. One of the 25 things here has to do with it. Um, but yeah, you got to go to that. But then what you have to do is document exactly what happens in the second opinion visit. I arrived at 11 a.m. for my for my, my appointment. Okay, I left at 11:05. How long did the doctor see you? Because that's what happens. And you want to document time in, time out. Did the doctor look at me? Did the doctor touch me? Did the doctor ask me any questions? You know what happened in that five minutes that I was there, and then submit that to your claims examiner. Say this is just a, a record of how the visit went. I don't recommend putting opinions in there. Like, I think the doctor was a jerk or I, there's no way the doctor spent enough time with me because we don't know what medical decision-making is, right? But we can say the fact is I got here at this time, I left at this time, and this is what happened in the visit. Because almost all the time, the opinion doctor is going to make it decision that's not good for you. Mm-hmm. And then your doctor will need to have some ammunition to fix that. And it'll become the weight of evidence will be what your doctor says in a narrative report versus what the second opinion doctor's report says. 
But the link to that will be what your documentation is of what happened to visit. But you got to go because if you don't, they'll yes, cut you off completely. Yes. Go to your second opinion visits. We have Kimberly <laughs> from YouTube. If I go when, if I go back to my carrier and I'm not able to do the job, okay. So she meant what if I go back? So Kimberly's asking, what if I go back to work and I can't do it? Um, what we like to say is, here's your CA-17. We're sending you back to work with these restrictions or with no restrictions. It's full duty. If you get to work and you realize that there's something you're still not able to do because you felt like it's going to get you hurt worse, then go back to your doctor and have your doctor revise the CA-17. Don't just stay there and get hurt. Communicate with your doctor because um, although it should be an exact science, return to work is not an exact science. And doctors do their very best based on what they've seen you do in therapy. Um, and what they feel like you can do based on your range of motion and other lifting um, tests. But the bottom line is it's not an exact science. And so if it's if there's still a problem, you got to go back and communicate with the doctor.